Hello and welcome to episode 164 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia is Ben Olson. What's happening, Ben? Not a whole lot. You, uh, Just loving life. You recovered? <laughs> loving life? You recovered from Chicago? I'm recovered, yeah. No, Chicago was a recovery, I guess. Oh. Right? What? No. What? Like, we went there, we taught a class to good students who are engaged that's rewarding we got to see the city yeah it was like a it's like a mini vacation it i guess it really was it uh yeah it, it was lovely i had a great time great group of uh students had a ton of fun in the classroom awesome visit from ann levine yeah that was great she's always a hit um and even got to meet some listeners who just came out for drinks on Friday night too. So it was, uh, yeah, really, really cool to meet everybody and had an awesome time. Yeah. Can't wait to do the next one. We, we have another one, um, tentatively scheduled, huh? So save the date for March Mm -hmm. 16th and 17th in Las Vegas. Vegas was the winner on the Facebook poll, but, uh, we have a request, huh? For the listeners. We do. What is it? So if you are thinking about taking the test in March, and you're thinking about taking our live weekend class in Las Vegas, please email us so we can get a sense of uh, who is interested in coming, uh, in us coming, and then we can get to know you before the class starts, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were happy that people responded enthusiastically on the Facebook poll. Uh, we just need to get some, some uh, real humans interacting with us. I guess you're, are you a real human on Facebook? I don't know. I don't understand how it all works. <laughs> anyway, send us a yeah. note and uh, help at thinkinglsat.com and uh, tell us that you want to sign up for that class in Vegas and we'll, uh, we'll get motivated and we'll actually make it happen. Um, we on the show today are going to talk about, I didn't even know this, uh, the November LSAT has uh, one of the San Francisco locations got moved because of the hotel strike that's going on in, in Union Square. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We have a law school update from Wicked. Uh, this is listeners in Chicago. Uh, students in Chicago were asking about, um, they wanted an update from Wicked. And so I emailed her and I have an update. She is in law school and you'll find out where. Um, cool. Someone wrote in and asked about whether they should include ranking info in a YX law school essay. Hmm. That seems like a clear no to me, but I don't yeah. know. I guess we'll get there. <laughs> I like your ranking, therefore yeah, I want to go to your I school. totally <laughs> want to go to your specific law school because of your ranking in U.S. News. That sounds dumb. Okay, I, I'm yeah. going to say we'll get a, give a tentative no on that one. I don't have an official GPA. How will that look? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. We have an update from Josh, who apparently was negotiating for more scholarship money. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Okay. And then depending on whether we have time, I guess we might get to a clarification uh, question about untimed LSAT tests. And uh, I don't know what even that means, but we may or may not get there. You can email the show, help at thinkinglsat.com. Don't forget to send us your study selfies. Uh, we have 1,022 members in the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. You can like our Facebook page, whatever that means. On Twitter, I am at InFox. I actually use Twitter for news and whatnot. 
Um, the show is at Thinking LSAT and Ben is at Olson Benjamin. You can visit strategyprep.com and foxlsat.com to learn all about our services, including live classes in DC, LA, San Francisco, and all sorts of online and one-on-one options that we do individually. Jointly, we do Thinking LSAT classes across the country, which you've already heard about. And we have an awesome and getting better online tool, lsatdemon.com. You want to say anything uh, about the demon, Ben? Uh, yeah, I basically spent all day yesterday working on that with the developers. Um, it's a constant um, struggle and challenge, but it's also rewarding. We keep trying to move the <laughs> features forward, but of course, as you move forward, you you know learn new things that we have to fix and try to understand. So it's been fun, but um, I hope everybody's enjoying it as they as they continue to see new stuff get rolled out. Yeah, they are. I mean, the feedback that I've gotten is half like, hey, this used to work and now there's a glitch. Can you fix this? And I say, yep. And the other feedback I get is, oh my God, this thing is awesome. Um, I don't, I can't imagine studying for the LSAT without it. So yeah, uh, <clears throat> LSATdemon.com if you want to do a free trial of that. And um if you're signed up and if you're experiencing any glitches, just definitely hit the feedback form and we will get right on that and, and fix it for you. We're also not in the business of ripping anybody off. So if you ever feel like you're unsatisfied with any of our services, classes, books, anything, I mean, if you're unsatisfied, all you got to do is say something because we're, uh, we're in this business for the long haul and we're not, we're not just trying to take people's money and like, hey, gotcha, sucker. So if something's not working, let us know. And we we promise we'll take care of you. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we have an announcement. Uh-oh, it's an email on the Law School Admission Council header. Cool. Uh, <laughs> you know what that means. It's going to be long <laughs> and <Yeah>. lawyerly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here, here we go. Um, well, you want to read it? Sure. Okay. So this is from one of our listeners, Keith. The email from LSAC says, Dear Keith, we want to make you aware of an important change to the LSAC Law School Forum in San Francisco on Friday, November 2nd. Oh, wait. It's just a forum that's getting moved. It's not <laughs> It's not actually uh, – so I thought it was an LSAT testing site. Okay. It's just the yeah, forum. Yeah, I thought it was a testing site too. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, this is interesting. The forum location is moving – and that's in bold. The word moving is in bold. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a choice you could make. Yep. <laughs> to the Hilton San Francisco Union Square. The move is necessary due to a strike by union workers involving nearly all of the Marriott-branded San Francisco hotels, including the Marriott Marquis. Marquis. How do you say that, Marquis? I would say Marquis, yeah. Yeah. Hilton is a fair hotel and is not affected by the strike. Hmm. Interesting. LSAC, I I guess that means something. LSAC is committed to promoting fairness and equality in all aspects of our work, and we did not want you to be placed in a difficult position of having to decide whether or not to cross a picket line in order to pursue a career in law and justice. Oh, my goodness. If you want to pursue a career in law and justice, you should not be uncomfortable with crossing a picket line, right? Like that should be something, if you agree or disagree with the picket line, that, I don't know, that seems like a rather benign sort of challenge to face in your life. 
Oh, Hilton. it's not about that. It's about people who. It's not about actually the crossing of the picket line. It's about people who are like really committed to labor politically. Oh, I understand. Oh, I I just don't I don't see a problem with. Sullying your, <laughs> so, I, I don't see it as like you can go there and walk through the line and say, "Look, I support you." Now I'm going to this event. I, I don't see how that's. Uh, I don't know. People make tough choices in their life, and this yeah. does not seem like a particularly tough one. Um, uh, Hilton, send uh, labor-related hate mail <laughs> to <laughs> uh, help at thinkingelset.com, and that'll go. Um, we'll get we'll get some updates on the agenda. Yeah, that will go to that. Sarah, and Sarah can yeah. promptly email that to me. <laughs> Sorry, <Thank> Sarah. You. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the listeners will explain it to you, Ben. But no, I uh, I, I tend to agree with you. Like, hey. I get it. You're politically on the side of this, but you also have to get on with your life. It's not like you're going there to stay in the luxury hotel. <laughs> you're going there to go to this event so that you can then become a lawyer so that you can then like work for that, that cause. So yeah. But um, yeah. anyway, our labor minded okay. uh, listeners are going to educate us on that. I'm sure. 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 I, they're going to say, look, it's some sort of tacit endorsement of the yes. unfair work conditions yes hilton uh this email conti- continues hilton is making it possible for us to build the future of justice while also respecting all san francisco workers oh, God. oh please what now hilton it's a fucking is commercial your money <laughs> what Wait. what the fuck is this <laughs> that <laughs> why what it's a law school form <laughs> it's Hil- not- why did they have to throw that in there? Hilton is making it possible for us to build the future of justice while also respecting all San Francisco workers. Wow. So it's just a, like we're going to majorly throw Marriott under the bus, even though we've always yeah. had our thing at the I mean, I've been to the LSAC forum, that exact LSAC forum at that exact Marriott. I know right where it is. And they've always done it there. But now they're just like throwing them under the bus and like getting right on the... Hilton is making it possible for us to build the future of justice. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you also have to realize that even if you're a labor-minded listener or strike supporter, I think it's naive to assume that there's only one side to this story. Of course. And so the idea that the Marriott is not interested in building the future of justice or respecting all San Francisco workers assumes that they're the strike is totally legit. I'm not saying it's not. I have no idea. But that's the that's the mindset of any good attorney. Really, there's only one side to this story. I highly doubt it. <laughs> this is hilarious. It's like, oh, we're gonna just we're we're oh we're disassociating ourselves completely from the Marriott <laughs> because they have a strike. I mean, the fact that they have a strike means that they're a union shop. Like, yeah. I don't know what a fair hotel is, and I'm sure I'm going to now have to get educated about that, which is fine. What, what a loaded title. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but a fair hotel, like, my, emission, my my initial thought of that is, like, oh, so they're not a union hotel, you know? <laughs> That's what I thought, too, actually. I thought that was, like, oh, free or, you know, I don't know, free work hotel or something like that. We'll find we out what it is. We all have our terms. It's, yeah, yeah it, it, we'll find out what it is. But I'm sure it's not like affiliated with one of the, with well, certainly not this union, the one that's on strike. So, uh, oh boy. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Okay, <laughs> spineless LSAC. It continues. 
If you booked a room at the Marriott, we recommend you contact the Hilton immediately if you wish to transfer your reservation. Please contact us at forminfo at lsec.org with any questions. I'm going to email them and be like, yeah, um, can I get a non-smoking? Um, <laughs> I need to, <laughs> I prefer like a higher floor. <laughs> Could you? I wonder if people are going to be doing that. It's, why, why did they put that line in that paragraph? <laughs> I don't know. That's a, so. That's in a paragraph. The other, the only other sentence in the paragraph is about calling the Hilton to move your room reservation from the Marriott. Yep, it should be totally separate paragraph. And then this is like, please contact us at forum.info at lsec.org with any questions about my reservation. Sweet. <laughs> that, <laughs> the fuck? All right. Um. Okay, so the next sentence, or the next paragraph, which is one, no, two sentences, is entirely linked. This <laughs> yeah. entire paragraph is linked. It yeah. says, the San Francisco form admission ticket has been updated with the new location, period. You may reprint your ticket or just save the address below, colon. And then they give us the address. Um, you know, my preferred method for communicating is to say all this without linking and then just have a single line that says reprint your ticket or your ticket. And that would be linked be much more obvious what's going on there. But, um, in any case, thank you. Whoever wrote this email that actually the name has been cut off. Well, it's probably for the best. Thank you, Keith. Yeah. Amazing. Um, okay. So there you go. Uh, LSAC forum, uh, date change. By the time you hear this, that'll be this Friday. Uh, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, that'll be this Friday, November 2nd in San Francisco. And, uh, I don't know if it's too late to register for that. The forums are super boring anyway. I mean, all it is, is a bunch yeah. of like, what are you going to go listen to a, a presentation about, um, student loan financing that tells you red light credit card debt, yellow light <laughs> car loan, green light student loans. <laughs> Student loans. <laughs> Green light, dude. Student loans. <laughs> Says the people who get paid when you sign up for a student loan. Yeah. 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 Those forums are pretty bogus. I mean, if you want to go pick up some glossy brochures, you can. If you want to go, you know, flirt with a bunch of other people who are applying to law school, it's probably pretty good for that. Um, if you want to accumulate fee waivers, it's probably good for that. But as far as like actually learning anything very useful for your law school career, I don't, it's probably, you should probably just spend the time studying for the LSAT. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next email is from wicked and it says, so I emailed her, um, this weekend, like on Saturday or Sunday, cause people in the class in Chicago were asking me about wicked Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, yeah, wicked. We should get an update. So she responded and said, funny to hear some people still remember me. Honestly, part of the reason why I stopped updating was because I figured the people didn't care. So, oh, um, by the way, she's <laughs> the at, people do care. <laughs> she's uh, the people do care. And she is at uh, there was a previous email that got cut off here, but she is at Michigan after turning down Harvard. For a very nice scholarship offer, she says, I have three years of unconditional full tuition plus $10,000 per year, which I put towards housing. Wow. It covers all but $1,500 a year of on-campus housing and food and will go even further when I move off campus next year. <laughs> that's, 
that worked out well for her. Mm-hmm. I'm glad she didn't choose Harvard. I'm glad she chose Michigan. Yeah. Man, she's going to be able to do whatever the fuck she wants when she gets out of law school. Yeah. She'll probably have a higher GPA at Michigan, too. Yep. She'll just increase her opportunities. Yep. And, you know, it might not impress really snooty people quite as much, but it's going to impress anybody who actually knows anything. Yeah. Michigan is a top, top school. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. And you have to live in the frozen tundra for three years, which I Mm. wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't be my choice. But I'm not a lawyer. I mean, like the she's going to be just in the law library for the whole time anyway. Yep. So and she could also. uh, Yeah. I mean, I was going to say she could get her summer jobs elsewhere, but that would be dumb because she should keep her summer jobs in Michigan because it'll be nice in the summer in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the winter, she's just going to be holed up in the library anyway. So who cares? Man, $10,000 stipend, Ben. Not bad. Think about the people who just squeaked into Michigan, the people at the very bottom of the class at Michigan. Who are paying full tuition and taking out loans to pay for the cost of living. Yeah. They are, the money is getting transferred via the University of Michigan Law School. Money is going from whoever it was that is at the bottom of that class. They are borrowing full tuition. They are also borrowing full living expenses. They are also borrowing... Wicked's living expenses. Yeah. So that a check can go from the school. So she's paying no tuition. And then they're sending her also a check for $5,000 a semester. Here you go, Wicked. Thanks for coming here. Glad you turned down Harvard. We're paying you to go here. And now whoever that is who's in the bottom of the class at Michigan gets to take uh, essay exams against Wicked and be ranked against Wicked (laughs) for the best job opportunities that people can get who go to Michigan. Mm. That's a real good deal for one of those people. And it's a real bad deal for the other person. Mm -hmm. Okay. She goes on and says, I find one L to be wonderful. And part of what's making my experience less tumultuous than some others is that I'm free from the particularly widespread panic of whether to do public interest or the firm route. I don't mean to say that I know what I'm doing with my life, but I am free from the financial consideration that's making a lot of students with huge debt who came to law school to save the world turn begrudgingly towards working in a firm. Oh, by the way, Ben, this is in the first semester of 1L. This is in October of 1L. Yeah. And she's talking about people who are already, they came to law school to save the world, but they borrowed so much money that now they're already taking the firm route. Yeah. Listeners, she goes on, listeners may be thinking, wow, it's way too early for one else to start worrying about that. And I would agree, but the reality is one, one else are very neurotic and goal oriented. So they do worry. And two, if you want to do firm work, you sort of have to know by the end of your one else summer, at least at Michigan. So you can fully participate in the early interviewing process that firms conduct on campus in August uh, of the 2L year or before the 2L year. Yeah. And I remember this from law school. I've said this before on the show. I remember in my first semester, 1L year, early in the first semester, I remember people sending out feelers about trying to get summer jobs in law firms. Yeah. And uh, so everybody's selling out. (laughs) These people are selling out. These poor people who came to law school to save the world, but they borrowed so much money that they're paying money to Wicked. Mm -hmm. And... (laughs) 
And now they're like already selling out and they're stressing themselves out trying to get law firm jobs. Meanwhile, Wicked is just calmly doing her work for classes so she can kick their ass when it comes to grades. Which just increases her chances of getting the kind of jobs that they're stressing about, <laughs> yeah. about not yeah. getting. Which means if she wants the big law firm job, she's going to be the one who gets it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Also, I want to add that my excellent experience thus far is not anomalous or just that I get to go to law school for free. I have made so many friends and the resounding opinion thus far is that yes, there is a ton of reading, but if you like what you're studying and you study with friends, the experience on the whole is pretty great. Maybe I'll update you with a different opinion after exams though. Thanks for checking in. Wicked. Whoa. That was awesome. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Tried to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, she's also a spectacular candidate. I think she was a one... 79 or a 180 and a 3.9 or something like that. I don't remember exactly the numbers, but they were like real high. Mm -hmm. And she's just, she's a winner in this game that is set up. Yeah. But she's also a winner because she's chosen to win. You know, she's, she's decided I don't want to sneak into Harvard and pay full price. Instead, I'm just going to take the money. And really like everyone listening, you should just make that same decision. It's just, It's just so smart. Yeah. Okay. That was a fantastic update. I'm glad we did that. Thanks, uh, Chicago class, for reminding us about that. Yep. Next one. Sure. Hey, y'all. Just listen to episode 161. I plan to write these, quote, YX essays today. In other words, why should I go to your law school? Yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. Which... I don't know, like, this is what we talked about in episode 161. I don't know that there are that many, right? Like, I think people are misinterpreting these essays in some ways. Right. So, and, okay, well, right. So just because it says, just because they happen to incidentally mention their own name in their personal statement prompt does not mean that they actually want to hear about themselves. Normally in a personal statement, you should not customize it to the school. You should only ever talk about the school unless they specifically like make it obvious that they want to know why you want to go to their school specifically. Like if they invite you to write an optional essay explaining why their school didn't Anne talk about this in, in, in Chicago, like that there's not that many schools that do it. She even mentioned some school that used to do it, but doesn't do it anymore. Yeah. And so when Chris says, I plan to write these YX essays today. Yeah. How many schools are you applying to that are truly asking you for this? But Okay, if you do encounter such an essay, Chris asks, should I mention employment outcomes, information provided by the ABA 509s, school ranking? (laughs) I think these are things that the law schools know about themselves. And so... I don't know if this is a main selling point to you, possibly it could show that you've done your research, but in general, I think they're looking for more, something a little softer that shows, you know, about the school's culture or people who have gone to the school and been successful in their employment. I think they're looking for more anecdotal evidence. I don't think they're looking for a report on their statistics. Uh, Anne also mentioned um, specific ties to the area geographically. Mm-hmm. So if again, you a can, soft after. So, yeah. yeah. So if you can name um, family members 
who live in the area, that's always good. Or if you can just show them that you've lived in, you know, let's say New York city for a long time. I think Ann might've mentioned specifically New York, like they, they will doubt if you're coming from like rural, you know, Tennessee, they're doubting whether you are actually going to move to New York city if they admit you. Yeah. And so you might want to say something in that case, you might want to say something about New York city that you've always wanted to live in New York or that you have lived in New York and want to go back or that you're, you know, just make it clear that you, that you're serious about it so that they can admit you without worrying about their yield. I feel like this is kind of an essay for you to fail, (laughs) not for you to win. Like they just want to make sure that you're genuinely interested in them and not, I don't know. It's kind of a lame essay. I mean, if you're applying to the school, I think you're, somewhat interested in what's going on, but they're just testing you. It's kind of like letters of recommendation, right? Like they don't really help you, but they can hurt you if you say something stupid. Yeah. And they want to see if you're, if you're serious enough to at least write the essay. Yeah. Right. And have something to say that's relevant to the school. We get, we get letters all the time. Like, well, there's this optional essay, you know, about the, why this law school, should I write it? And it's like, well, I mean, they are asking it for some reason. They they didn't just put that there to waste their own time. So I I think they are probably protecting their yield and deciding, you know, they just want to see whether you're willing to jump through one more hoop. And, you know, the, and the real lawyers are like willing to jump through all the hoops. Like the real, <laughs> the people who end up being really successful are like, oh yeah, no problem. I applied to 20 schools and just filled out all that shit. Yeah. Cause I'm a, I'm a professional writer. I'm like really good at creating documents. And so that's what I do. So that's what I did. Yep. And, and it's just not that big of a deal. If you're like, if you're feeling lazy about it, like if there's, if you're filling out your third application and you're like, Oh my God, this is so, <laughs> this is just so much. I just really, I just don't want to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a sign that maybe this isn't the right field for you. I, I know from experience. Cause that's how I felt about it. I was like, Oh my God, really? Another fucking stupid form. It's like, <laughs> what do you think lawyers do? Dummy. I'm such an idiot, Ben. Such an idiot. (laughs) What an idiot. I I mean, I had no business. I was so immature. (laughs) I mean, and I was like 30 and I was still just such an idiot. Um, anyway. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I, I I don't, I don't know that I would put any of this shit in there. I I don't think I'd put any of that in there. I, I would focus on a soft factor. People are persuaded by emotion I think that you don't want a stupid thought factor though, but location's good. Um, something, why are you going to that school? Is it just ranking? I, you should think a little bit more. I mean, Anne said when she was in Chicago to visit the schools that you're serious about and see how they're different culturally. I thought that was an interesting point. Um, Talk to students. To, yeah. Yeah, Totally. And then that would give you something to write about. You can talk about a student you talked to from their school. That's a really good point. I mean, it makes you look so much more serious if you're like, yeah, I mean, I so like I'm imagining a UC Hastings, which is right in the middle of the Tenderloin Civic Center, San Francisco. And they know that they're like Mm -hmm. in the hood and they, they, I'm sure they know that like some people are going to visit that campus and then absolutely not go to school there because it's like gross. Yeah. And if you happen to throw in there, you know, 
when I was, when I visited campus on so-and-so, I spoke to so-and-so and it can be just, it could be somebody in the missions office. It could be a professor. It could be a student. I'm imagining like we mm-hmm. went out to lunch at Toulon at sixth and market. It was super delicious. It's like, if you say that, that is such a signal that you are, that you have what it takes to go to school in the tenderloin for three, for three years. Um, yeah. Cause I'm quite sure that there are people who show up for first year and then don't make it just due to the neighborhood yeah okay so more like that yeah chris continues my only fear is that they will think that i'm just out for the ranking and outcome the school offers i plan to add specific examples from each school that attracted me to apply as well yeah your fear is well founded so yep thanks chris next one hey guys after finishing pharmacy school in russia with an equivalent of an american bachelor's degree in pharmacy I'm currently going through the process of becoming a licensed pharmacist in New York state. As I'm getting closer to my goal, I've started exploring different options for the future. Law school has always been something I was interested in. So combining the two always seemed like a good idea. Uh, okay. I imagine pharmacists need lawyers. It's a big business for sure. That's true could work for some pharmaceutical i guess and understand the industry yeah i would definitely sure Mm -hmm. (laughs) i feel like we're trying to make the case that someone should continue their interest in law school even though it's (laughs) a little shaky well everyone's is shaky yeah the very shakiest ones are the ones like that on the surface seem so obviously lawyerly like the ones that are the ones that are like, I studied political science and I've always wanted to be a lawyer because I want to help people. Those are the ones that like, on the one hand, yeah, it looks kind of inevitable. Like, I don't know what else you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I don't know what kind of a lawyer you're going to be. Like, I, I just don't know that you're going to actually find a successful job as a lawyer. Yeah. So this person who's like, well, you have this option to be a pharmacist, which is a pretty damn good career. I don't know why you're pursuing law. Like what, what, why wouldn't you just be a pharmacist? But on the other hand, pharmacy is technical training. And if you combine that technical training with law, I imagine that there are specific opportunities available in pharmaceutical kinds of law, healthcare law that would not, it would just like not be very easy for other people to do that work because you already have this crazy like technical training. Yeah. So it makes me think like, well, if you did do that, you'd probably, I don't know, sounds like you'd be able to like be super successful. Yeah. It just depends on what your, why law school has been something that you're interested in. Like what, what about it? The idea that you could get paid more than you could get paid as a pharmacist. I don't know. That's the, it comes down to that. (laughs) Are you watched Legally Blonde or something? Yeah. Okay, the LSAC informed me that through their process of credential evaluation, a GPA will not be calculated. Instead, the evaluation report itself and the transcript copies will be included in the law school report generated by the LSAC. I was just wondering, how do law schools look at an applicant with a background like mine without a GPA? And what does the future look like for a pharmacist with a JD? The two schools I'm considering getting into, uh, NYU Law or Cardozo Law... Love the show. Thanks in advance for your help, Bazinel. And then there's also a um, an update. Says 
Just wanted to add that I'm an American citizen that received my undergraduate degree abroad. Don't know if that's relevant. Just wanted to clarify that I don't need to go through the whole visa process. Thanks again. All right. Well, thanks, Bazinel. I A couple different questions here. And I, we're going to have to just speculate, Ben, but how, how do law schools look at an applicant without a GPA? I have no idea. Well, you could probably guess. I could guess. That's true. <laughs> I think the listeners would love to hear you do that. All right. Um, here, I'll just start guessing. They're going to look at your LSAT score. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean they they already were going to look at your LSAT score probably more closely than your GPA anyway. Yeah. And now that they don't have a GPA at all to look at, I I think they're going to have to lean more heavily on the data that they do have. I was wondering what what kind of information is being provided. It says all the transcript copies will be included in law school. There must be something on there. They're obviously going to look over that and try to If I were an admissions officer, I'd eyeball it. I'd be like, well, based on the positive or negativeness of the transcripts that have been given to me, this person sounds like a 3.5. And then then I can compare them to other people. They're going to still want to do an index calculation for you. So they probably will just arbitrarily assign you. But they will then know also that it's not going to go into the numbers. So they're not going to care about that that much. They're Mm -hmm. only going to, they know that they have to report your LSAT, but they don't have to report your GPA because you don't have a GPA. I think it's just going to like really, I'm sure these evaluations are good, by the way. Like they're not going to say bad things. She finished pharmacy school in Russia. She's, I don't know. I'm just assuming <laughs> if you're, a, you're, you're a pharmacist. I, I'm imagining that, that this, it just seems like a good student to me. I, I don't know, but maybe not. Yeah. I mean, do you think these evaluations say shitty things? If so, they're going to hurt you. Do you think that these evaluations say good things? If so, they're going to help you. I'm assuming that they're going to say good things. But really, it's just going to come down to your LSAT even more than it already was. Yeah. The second question, I have absolutely no answer to. <laughs> what What does the future look like for a pharmacist with a JD? I know literally far, zero pharmacists with JDs. <laughs> you, this is not a thing I've even ever heard of before. Yeah. Look into your so, ball, Nathan. Don't you have a ball there? Crystal ball? Oh, you would like me to randomly speculate? Yeah, go ahead. Start guessing. Okay. Um, my random speculation is that having a pharmacy degree can only help you. I imagine that there are areas of drug law. It's certainly big business. Every time you get a goddamn prescription, it comes with 10 pages of, of legal bullshit. Mm-hmm. Right? So <laughs> lawyers wrote that. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Kaiser Permanente employs a bazillion lawyers. So the fact that you have a pharmacy background, I'm sure can only help you get a job in that field. Yeah. So I would say, what does the future look like for a pharmacist with a JD? Um, Much better than normal people with a JD. (laughs) Because you always have a pharmacy you can fall back on for one. Yeah. And two, it can only help you get jobs as a lawyer. Mm hmm. I would think even anything tech related, like it doesn't even have to be healthcare related, just like any kind of a tech startup or whatever. If you're like, well, I'm a pharmacist, they're going to be like, oh, well, okay. So you don't know how to code, but you, you know, you do know how to do like certain, (laughs) certain degree of math or certain degree of chemistry or whatever. Like you've you've got some chops. It's more of a hard science than most lawyers give off. Yes. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, good. I mean, that's, I would think that you're, Hey, more power to you. I mean, I don't know why the hell you're wanting to go down this path, but presumably you have reasons. I would definitely, if you're asking (laughs) us what the future looks like for a pharmacist with a JD, as much as I appreciate the question, I mean, you're asking two people who don't know shit about pharmacy. So you should probably try to find people who practice that area of law and ask them what they think. I've been to a pharmacy. I've been to a pharmacy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, That's about it, though. Um, Next one. Sure. Hey, guys. I started law school this fall semester and wanted to say thank you for all of the advice that you offer on the podcast. You're welcome. I found your podcast early in my process of thinking about law school, and I'm honestly grateful for it. (laughs) What? Okay. Can we... We're going to have to bust on that yeah <laughs> what is your concern that fucking ly adverb honestly <laughs> yes <laughs> that's so grating it is it, grating and it's a perfect example of where it has the exact opposite of its intended effect yeah We'll reread the sentence. Sure. I found your podcast early in my process of thinking about law school. Oh, that's already broken. Mm -hmm. But anyway, and am honestly grateful for it. It's like, (laughs) if you have to say honestly like that, it just makes you sound like you're lying. Yeah. There's also two spaces between all these sentences. Have we talked about this before? We've talked about adverbs, right? On the show. Let's talk about it more. So... Just listen to this sentence, dear listeners. I am actually impressed with your personal (laughs) statement. (laughs) Versus, I am impressed with your personal statement. (laughs) We use adverbs to to make it seem like we're more sincere. (laughs) But we end up sounding less sincere less persuasive so just drop them the funny thing too is sometimes someone a long time ago said to me i don't know what the context was but i think i had said honestly and they were sort of like well are you suggesting that the other things that you've said are not honest like what what is the point of that word oh now here's the moment where the truth is going to come out right i mean maybe if you have a history of lying and a lot of people are in relationships in which you know not everything is quite honest, but uh, so maybe that word has meaning in a certain circumstance, but in general, just avoid adverbs. Definitely avoid adverbs and especially ones that end with L Y um, are just super grating. I think we do it as a verbal tick. We do. I mean, it. I'm sure I do it all the time. Well, you just, when I'm speaking. you just did it right now. You said definitely avoid. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's hard For not sure. to when you're talking, which is why these things right. slip into our writing, but in your writing, you have an opportunity to read things again and clean them up. Yeah. The guy I used to work for who did legal writing consulting and still does so now taught me that the best writing is sounds like you're talking, but a little polished. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Honestly grateful for it. Wow. Okay. Cool. Josh continues. It did help me get a better LSAT score. I used Nathan's books because I buy everything from Amazon. 
Hmm. That's an interesting reason to choose Nathan's <laughs> books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and listening to your listener mail helped me with the application process. I applied and was admitted late in the cycle, but knew from listening to your podcast, parentheses, looking up ABA 509 reports, comma, that I deserved a larger scholarship than was offered. I politely thanked the admissions person, but stated that without a larger scholarship, I would be unable to attend. Okay. <laughs> I like how he added the word politely. I received a phone call the next morning to inform me that the scholarship committee had increased the amount to a full scholarship. Josh, score one. Admission committee, score zero. <laughs> Thank you guys for all the advice. Because of you, missing comma, I am attending law school for free. Josh. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Got to start using one, one, one space between your sentences. Mm. Get rid of the adverbs. Also, this construction in your second sentence of, I found your podcast early in my process of thinking about law school. That's real wordy. I found your podcast when I started thinking about law school. Yes. What is that? Is there a name for that, that, that construction that he's doing there, that early in my process of? Yes. That's, I feel like that's something that I see a lot. Well, it's related to what's called nominalization, which is okay. where you take things that could be stated with verbs and turn them into nouns. And I see. they're very common, very common. Those phrases include the word of. So whenever you're reading, you're writing. If you see the word of, make sure you damn well need it. In most cases, it can be removed along with a bunch of words around it and replaced with a single verb. Nice. So a control F for just like space of space. Yeah. We'll show you all the ofs in your uh, shit, and then you could clean that up. Because that I don't know what I mean. I'm just like a natural. I'm I'm like I don't I've never I don't have any like really tr that much training about writing. I've just done it done it a lot, you know. Yeah. Like I don't have any names for it, but I just I read that and I just go uh uh like that's I don't know why that's broken, but I would never fucking write that. Or if I if I had written it it would never make it out the door because I would, I would just read it before I sent it and it would be like, no, no, no. Yes. <laughs> we're not saying that. I don't know why it's just to my ear. It sounds horrible, which is why you need to read your shit out loud. Everybody needs to read their shit out loud. Yeah. People that are doing our personal statement review service, by the way, this applies to you as well. Before you send us things, you really need to read your shit out loud. Mm-hmm. We say that all the I mean, time. We send stuff back. We, we're like, uh, please read this again. I read two sentences of it and I'm like, you know, thank you for this draft, but um, you got to read this out loud before you send it to me. Cause it's like, there's no fucking way that is how you want this to sound. Like if you just read those two sentences, there's no way that that you, th that can't possibly sound good to you. Mm -hmm. So read it again and like make it sound better. Then I'll, then I'll be more than happy to go through multiple <laughs> revisions, but <laughs> Just there's times where it just has to get kicked right back in your face. Like, no. And I, I should add that uh, when it comes to the LSAT, the LSAT is notorious for using nominalizations. They take uh, what are plain English sentences and turn them into abstractions by replacing verbs with nouns. So what they're doing 
and I know this because um, you know how at the end of the test they'll have the source material for the reading comp passages. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like those the the copyright information. Yeah. Well, so there was this one passage once about I think it was about monkeys or something. I'm trying to remember now because I'm trying I can't remember a passage about monkeys, but it was about something, and I was slightly curious as to where the passage had originated. And I went to the back of the test, and it was Time Magazine, and I was like, "There's no way in hell." that time produced this kind of writing or this these sentences, right? And so I looked up the original article, and of course it was a time piece. I mean, those journalists write well and heavily are heavily edited. So <laughs> everything flowed together. It all made sense. And I compared that to the, the reading comp passage, which was awful. But you can see how they take sentences and ideas that are using just one verb, and they turn them into nouns, which then take up sometimes three or four or five words and and they do this to make it harder to read so one thing you can do as you're going through the lsat is to see of sentences and then translate them into verbs i do this all the time to try to make sense of what was just said right it's like huh i get kind of what you're saying but what in a nutshell what you're really saying is this guy cheated (laughs) Instead of yeah, yeah. the cheating of the exam, which took place on the 10th hour. Yeah. Right, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, and for me, I didn't have any technical knowledge of that, like look for of things and try to replace them. Mm-hmm. But what I'm doing instead is just I am paraphrasing it. Not not that I'm writing it down, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it into my own words as I read. Yes. Exactly. And that's how it sticks. And that's how it makes sense, right? When you restate something in plain English, everybody in the class goes, oh, well, then therefore, yada, yada, yada. You're like, yeah, you don't have to be a genius to figure out what's going on here. You just have to figure out what they're saying a lot of times, at least in reading comments. And yeah. And that means you have to try. Like, you have to fight through the boredom mm-hmm. and you have to just try to comprehend it. And yeah. Try harder, people. <laughs> I don't know. Like on reading comp, I'm serious. Like you have to just take it more seriously and you have to try to understand it. Yeah. Because you can, but it's not going to be entertaining and it's going to be shitty writing. But as a professional writer, that's your job is to read it and get through it and understand it and go like, yeah, a, a, a lot of times I'm like, well, boy, <laughs> I would have said all that in these five words instead of those 50 words. Mm-hmm. But here's basically what they're saying. And that's a very good skill to have, not just for the test, but for law school and beyond. And I'm surprised you're going to make mistakes as you try to do this. I mean, I was just working with someone the other day who's scoring in the 170s, extraordinarily brilliant. And he was reading sentences from uh, actually the same passage that we did in Chicago. It was really dense. I don't remember what it was about now. But he was reading that passage and translating those convoluted sentences and doing so correctly 80% of the time. But despite the fact that he was doing it correctly 80% of the time, sometimes it wasn't quite right. And I was like, ah, take a look at that again. And he'd look at the sentence again and tweak what he had said, his translation. And I'd say, yeah, okay, that's correct. And people are going to make those. So I know people are going to make those mistakes, but that's why you go through the questions too. Because the questions tell you, yeah, you didn't quite understand it exactly right or you didn't quite understand what the answer choice is saying so you just got to keep fighting through these reviewing and trying to understand how you must have misinterpreted whatever you read at the beginning 
you will get yeah. better and better. And it takes time. There's no easy path. That's why people don't automatically jump from getting 10 wrong to two wrong overnight. They have to like struggle through this, but it's a fundamental skill that you're developing and totally worth your time. If you're serious yeah. about this career. Yeah, I completely agree. I had a, a tutoring student yesterday who is scoring 165 or higher, pretty, pretty good um, student. And he was looking at an answer. So it was logical reasoning and it was like question number nine. And the flaw in the argument was pretty obvious. I can't remember what the flaw was, but it was pretty obvious. And I'm like, well, did you react to that? And he goes, yeah. And I said, how, what was your reaction? And he explains it. And I go, okay. You know, I, I believed him. Like I, I get it. Like you're pissed off about this logic, which you should be. Mm -hmm. And you have identified the flaw. Yeah. And then, then though, when he got into the answer choices, the correct answer was like really annoyingly worded. Mm. But, and so I skim the answer choices and I go, well, it can't be any of these other ones. So it has to be this one that I didn't like on first blush, but when I reread it, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. That's a super annoying way of saying what I wanted you to say. Yeah. And that's the answer. Yeah. He had picked some other answer that just didn't describe the, didn't like he obviously knew what the flaw was. Mm-hmm. But then he picked some other answer that was just not at all describing the flaw. Yeah. Because he he because he had some quibble with the way the right answer or you know, I, I don't know. He I think he just didn't have high enough standards. Mm -hmm. Like he picked he just picked an answer that didn't fucking answer the question. Yeah. And it's like, well, I get it that that right answer might not have seemed right to you on first blush, but you did know what the flaw was. The flaw in this argument is very clear. And that's the answer. Like, it's just, <laughs> that's not going to not be the answer. Mm -hmm. That is clearly the flaw. That has to be the answer. Yeah. And so one of these answer choices has to mean that. And he just like, I think he just answered it. He needed to take 10 seconds more and he would have got it right instead of getting it wrong. But he like, he just basically lost the battle of will because he couldn't get himself to get through that super annoying construction. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> Work harder. <laughs> I it's that's so funny, but I mean, that is a big part of my message is like you want this, you are going to have to you're going to have to try harder. Like you're going to have to study a lot. You're going to have to study potentially for longer than you think. And when you're doing the actual questions themselves, you're just going to have to try really hard. Mhm. Because <laughs> you're you you've got to decide that you're smart enough to understand it, yeah. And it it I think he this guy I think he's just on the precipice. I can tell. He said to me, he goes, he goes. Last time we met, you told me that the test seems easy if you're doing it right. And I think I'm starting to understand. And I was like, yes, because I I have this experience all the time that like. Once I explain to you the question, you people are like constantly just like, you know, wanting to punch themselves in the face. Once they see it, they're like, oh, well, duh. Yeah. 
And I'm like, I know, and I'm happy to keep helping you have these little epiphanies, but you have to get to the point where you're going to start getting these right by yourself. I agree. You know? And, and so like before you pick some bewildering answer, before you just give up and pick some random answer that you don't understand, Mm -hmm. I think you need to like maybe remind yourself that the test really should feel easy if you're doing it right. Yeah. And so if this question doesn't feel easy, it's, it's, it's most likely because you just haven't quite unlocked it yet. Like there's probably something that you could be reading in a different way that would make it make perfect sense. And so instead of just like, especially when you're just punting, I mean, people fucking punt, like they just, people are like, I, I actually don't even remember. I just chose B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, what you did? What you didn't like, you didn't <laughs> No, if you're, you can't ever be just ran. If you're randomly picking, you should be doing that in one second. You should be doing that without even attempting the question at all. If you're going to attempt the question at all, you should be narrowing it down at the very least. And you know, if you're about to just give up and just pick something, you, you gotta, you, you gotta, I don't know. You just got to do your work. You got to take it more seriously. Yeah. I agree. I don't know. That was a super annoying lecture for you. I don't know if it's annoying. Maybe it's annoying, but it's true. It's something that they're just they just need to hear it. I mean, because it's, it's funny how often important. It is honestly, <laughs> clearly, obviously important. Because I No, I mean, I think I mentioned maybe last show, like this guy John who's in my LA class right now, he made this huge improvement on reading comprehension basically by just realizing like, "Oh, I have to read it more carefully and like actually understand what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was like an epiphany. And I'm like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. It's interesting when it comes to human like nature and human behavior, you can know what you should do, but unless you believe that you're not going to act on it. Right. How many people have heard us say, you need to really own, really, you need to own the passage. You need to take the time necessary to understand each sentence and to predict where this is going. And they've heard that, they know that, but if you don't believe it, then you do your own thing. And you don't believe it if you don't do it, right? If you get into the section and you think that, or your behavior <laughs> shows that you're not actually taking the time to go through the passages carefully, you rush then what you're really saying to yourself on some level, I don't know where in your brain, but your brain is telling you this is a better approach than what I quote know is the best approach. So until you believe it, you're not going to do it really. So then how do you get to that? I think a lot of it's just going through examples, stumbling, failing, hearing us talk about it. And at some point, right? Like your student, they have an epiphany. You're going over a question yet again. And now it makes sense when they take the time to understand it. And they go, you know what? I really should have just tried to understand it earlier. And now they get it. And then they believe it. And then they work toward it. And then they win. And then eventually, hopefully they win. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Okay, should we... I think we have time for one more. Yeah, we have time for more, yeah. Okay, greetings from the West. Hmm. 
While listening to your podcasts, I frequently hear some variation of the question, why do people keep sending us or care about their untimed LSAT scores? I stumbled on a possible answer. Hmm. The overview section of Ben's LSAT score tracker reports untimed and timed scores. This implies there is some significance to the untimed score. If it appears significant, then perhaps your correspondents think you believe it is important to know. It's just one idea. Cheers, PK. Uh, let me say something about the timed and untimed scores in the score tracker. Mm-hmm. When people are finished taking the section, they can put in their results into the score tracker, and the score tracker asks them, hey, mark which questions you completely guessed on. I mean, they should have guessed on them, right? Like if they didn't get to the last 10 questions, they should mark them with C. But from a scores tracker perspective, I want to know which questions were actually attempted and which ones were guessed completely. And they mark those questions and they say, look, I didn't get to these questions. And then the score tracker gives them the opportunity to finish those questions. It also gives them the opportunity to finish questions that they weren't sure about. And so then you can end up with their official score, which is just whatever their score would have been based on the answers that they chose, guesses or not. And then you can get an untimed score, which includes the questions they had and a chance to redo. And I would say that that data in conjunction with the time score is helpful. A lot of times we get untimed scores by themselves, which to me is useless because I have no idea what that means in a timed context. But when I have a time score and an untimed score, I can know something. It's not a lot, but consider this, for example. Let's say someone takes a test and gets a 152 or a 157. I don't care. They get a 157, and that's their time score. And then I look in the score tracker, and their untimed score is a 158. In my, You know, the biggest complaint that we get is like, my issue isn't the test. My issue is timing. I just, if I could just go faster, I'd do great on this test. And it's like, really? Okay. Have all the time you want. What, what score did you get? And what the score tracker is doing is giving them an opportunity to get an untimed score for this test. They can redo any question they guessed on and they can redo, they could redo any question that they didn't feel sure about. And if the, someone is getting a 157 and then they apparently attempt these questions again, or do the questions they didn't get to, and they end up with a 158. There's a lot of questions there that you're not getting right in an untimed setting. So clearly, either you're not doing enough review, or you don't understand this stuff, and timing is not your issue. Understanding the test is your issue, which is almost always the case. But there are some cases where people will get like a 165, and then they get a 180 untimed without seeing any of the answers. And I'm like, okay, that's that helps me... You, you still need to learn more about the test, ultimately, right? You still need to understand things better to the point where you now have three ways to get rid of a wrong answer, not just one way. Maybe you're getting that 180 because finally, through one way, you were able to get rid of the tempting wrong answer. So there's more for you to learn, but it still says something. It says you're reviewing. It says you're taking time after the test is over to try to work through these questions without looking up the right answers, whereas a lot of people... I don't think they're doing that, right? That's the other problem we see so many times. People take a test, they look at the questions they got wrong for like a minute, and then they move on to the next test. And so this untimed score 
with a time score, to me, at least can prompt some questions about what they're doing and what they might need to be doing more of to make progress. Would you ever, um, you were talking about this a little bit in Chicago. So would you, is there like an untimed score below which you would ever, um, tell someone to give up? That's an interesting question. Did I put you on the spot? Yeah. Um, good. I think if someone took the test untimed, well, they took it timed and then they did this untimed score afterward and they're not, I don't know. I mean, if you're not breaking 140 untimed, I'd be deeply concerned. I think that's pretty low in a conservative number, but it also it depends, right? Sometimes people start out and they're just, totally looking at the test in the wrong way and then you get them going in the right direction and bam their score pops up but if someone has been doing this for a while and you know they've been giving good advice that would be concerning very concerning yeah yeah i agree i don't have any like hard numbers or anything but we've said it before that like if you eventually don't make it to a 155 at the bare minimum yeah you know you're 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 probably gonna struggle a lot in law school and so, you know, if you've been studying for a month and your untimed scores are still like 150, mm-hmm. it's, it's looking pretty tough for you to make it to a, you know, to a, to a timed 155 or preferably 160 or more. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Was that it for that email? That was it. All right. You want to leave it there? Sounds good. All right. That was show number 164. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Save the date for March 16, 17 in Las Vegas. Don't pay for law school. Mm -hmm.